Hello, this is Hilary Robertson. Welcome to episode 35 of Harmonious World. And this time I'm delighted to be joined by pianist and composer Jorn Swart, talking about his trio Malnoia and their latest album, Hello Future. I started this podcast with the opening of First Ocean, the opening track on the album. Hello Future is described as an artistic exploration of what it means to be human in a technological age and the value of art in such an age. Using the hybrid medium of short stories and music, this is a fascinating album that doesn't really sit in chamber music or in jazz. The trio is quite beautiful with Jorn on piano and then viola and bass clarinet. Benny von Gutzeit is the jazz violist and Lucas Pino is the bass clarinetist who's better known as band leader and tenor sax player in No Net Nonette. So this album tells stories through the music. There are 10 original compositions by Swart in addition to Tears in Rain, which is from the Blade Runner soundtrack. And although this is close to chamber music because there's a fairly formal structure there is nevertheless improvisation when there's the form and sound and language of jazz so the title of the album hello future has two very different interpretations one is that we have already reached the future and the other is that we are looking forward towards that future i hope you enjoy my conversation with yawn and then by all means, sign up to his exciting album release sequence that he's got, where you will be able to have two tracks a day and enjoy the process of an album launch in these strange times. Hey. Hey. How are you? I am good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for joining me. My podcast is called Harmonious World, and the whole point of it is that people share what they're good at, and the idea being that then we end up with a more harmonious world. That's beautiful. So I've listened to Hello Future. Oh, wonderful. Which is an amazing album. Now, I'm confused about the stories, because I was expecting them to be on the tracks, and they're not. They are part of the album in a sense that they are part of the physical copy of the CD, there's a booklet with the stories. So every song ah, right. is paired with a short story. Yes, I gathered that from the notes that I'd got, but I hadn't actually got them, so I couldn't read them. Oh, really? Oh, you, yeah. you don't have the physical copy of the CD? No, I've got the um, downloads. Oh, okay. Well, we we should get one to you as soon as possible anyway. Part of the album release will be a six-day event where every day there's going to be two compositions of the album uh, with short stories that are narrated and like all kinds of background information, interviews like that. So it's kind of a whole, it's a whole thing. Wow, it sounds, it does sound amazing. When did you first get the idea for having this pairing of short stories and the music? Part of it came out of this... I think people have often commented on our music as as being somewhat storytelling already. So there's people tend to imagine a, a narrative or some kind of they imagine all kinds of stuff. And and this 
put this thought in in my mind of what if we actually uh, build upon that further and see what what is it that people can come up with when they hear our music right so it wasn't that we wrote the music to a story but it was the other way around i i describe it as almost like reversed film scoring where with film scoring you start with the i mean it's film but it's a narrative and then you enhance it with the music and you might steer it a certain way or it's just accompanying and i thought it'd be cool if we did the reverse so that that's one aspect of it that i thought would be very interesting and the other one was just um as a trio we have been you know we've been playing together for about five years almost six and our rehearsals are kind of interesting where we it often devolves in, in in like a big discussion about you know things like artificial intelligence and technological changes and the future of humanity all those kind of things and um it would really suck up some really valuable rehearsal time and i would kind of get annoyed with the guys but it was also quite interesting and then i thought this is kind of part of who we are and i was trying to think of a way to incorporate some of these ideas into our music and our music after all is instrumental so it is it is not it's quite abstract in a way but it's still again it's like it feels kind of storytelling like so those two elements kind of came together into this whole thing of having every composition on the album paired with a short story so they are written by three different writers and i wrote two of the stories myself and they are written in reaction to i gave the writers the the composition to listen to and then just the only other thing was like i gave him a guideline of saying uh, you know it has to do with the future or artificial intelligence or technological changes and the way that human humans stand in them and relate to them and how it affects them on a in their daily lives and that's all and then we had those 10 10 short stories wow i can't wait to read them because the the music that all of the tracks are very different they they have um there is a style but they're also very very different right so new religion mm -hmm. in particular mm -hmm. that track it starts as a round doesn't it yeah like a canon exactly yeah how much of the album is composed and how much of it is improvised so i i think it's quite in, in in that sense, it's quite traditionally coming out of jazz and improvisational music where there is a theme, there's a melody that's predetermined, and then we build up on that and we improvise on that. So, but in that particular piece, it's quite, it sounds pretty, that's probably why you're asking, it probably sounds quite through composed and there's all kinds of different sections. And then, but it always comes to a point where we let go of the of the sheet music, and and it we are improvising on the form and on the chord changes, but we try to make it very organic, so it's it it should come out of whatever we were doing before. It it shouldn't feel like okay now it's free for all, you know, like it's no. This is actually an organic development, and you know it's a different kind of development that you might expect from classical music. Right. It's also developing. It's a, there's a whole middle section that can go all kinds of places. And with us, that's that that's just improvisation. That's just listening to each other, reacting to each other. And with this particular piece, there's a lot of counterpoint, right? In the way it's written already, there's it's a canon. So every voice comes back, but like four measures later and we're with the three of us. So it happens three times. 
and then it kind of keeps evolving in this in this more fugue like uh compositional style where it's not as strict you know it can kind kind of go all different places and then we improvise but again like you know we react to each other so you can have that sort of counterpoint also in improvisation yes and and it it almost feels like a set of variations and i think as you say the three of you are obviously listening to each other yeah so in editing this conversation now seems an obvious time to include an excerpt from new religion you enjoyed that small extract from new religion and now it's back to our conversation so did you record the tracks live or did one person do their bit and then the others no we always we always go in the studio together because because of this because we were reacting to each other so it has to be all live it has to be organic Um, in the past we our, our previous record from 2017 we we did it in a studio where we were separated in separate boots. So we could sort of, you know, we only heard each other through our headphones. And it's in a way it's, you know, it's cleaner because you can do more post-production. You can do a little more editing and fixing things, even though that's kind of cheating, but try to minimize that. Um, but this time we actually went into, into the studio with the three of us and just in one room. So we're like very close together we can see each other, we can hear each other acoustically. And it's just a different experience because you are, um, you know, it's, it's like as if you're playing live. It's almost like you're playing a concert. And actually, while we, when we were recording it, we were on tour. We were on tour in the Netherlands and we did, uh, we had done, I think we had one more show to go. And this is quite, quite unusual because normally when you record, uh, you know, you record an album and then a year later when the album is done, you might go on tour and promote it. Uh, so you're playing all that music and then you're like, well, the music changes as you perform it. You know, it kind of becomes its own thing and it develops. And then at the end of the tour, you're like, well, now I'm I feel ready to record this album, you know. <laughs> so so we did it the other way around. We actually went on tour, then recorded an album and now we're releasing it. So it, it, it has a little bit it, ca- it has captured some of that life 
uh, atmosphere and and uh, character. Okay, so in the the writing of the stories, mm -hmm. was that done before you went on tour, or was that done after you went on tour? No, this was most of it was done over the past year. So, so because I wanted it to be. Uh, I wanted the music to kind of inspire the stories. Yeah. And then have the and then have them be paired, and then the story be its own little thing. But they're they're short, you know. They're usually just a paragraph or two, and they it's kind of setting, creating a little world, and then closing that gap again, and then the music starts, and it has, it's uh, it's just kind of setting the tone for the music to then develop right i think the focus is still the music because the music is so involved there's so much happening there's so many parts the real story is the music right and then it's it, that's why i'm saying it's like reverse film scoring is you start with the narrative and there's music and it's it might start even with music and it can be become a big part of the movie right but it's not its main focus you know right and is there a story that accompanies Tears in Rain? Well, that's the only one that doesn't have a story because it is actually from a movie. Yeah, right? because it's from Blade Runner. Yeah. Exactly. That, which is its, its own story. And and it, in, even that scene of the tears in the rain from this robot, however, you know, however yeah. you want to describe him. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. That, and that we recorded... And that was like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the exception, I suppose. But it's still very much narrative and music super closely connected. The way we did that, we actually had the the the, the monologue, Rutger Hauer's monologue from the movie in our ears on headphones. And then we played along with it. We actually had to adjust the tuning because it was like it's Vangelis score, right? It's all synthesizers and we it was slightly off pitch, so we had to move it a little bit, so it would be in tune. And then we played along with it and improvised on top of that. And that became that last, the last track of the album. Yeah. Yes. Which is beautiful. I mean, I have to say Blade Runner is one of my favorite films anyway. So at oh, that fantastic. moment is, is yeah. just stunning, isn't it? We, we, all three of us really admired that movie and that, especially that moment. I mean, of course it's a fa very famous moment in film. But also just the score is so really cool. And, you know, the way it is timed where um, Rutger Hauer says like tears and then we're still in sort of C major and then it goes to E, but you think it's going to be an E minor chord and then it turns out to be an E major chord and it, the whole world kind of changes like we're in a new harmonic world. And then he says in rain. It's like it's such a powerful moment in film score history. Yeah. And we really, I've, I've been wanting to do something with that for years, you know, so it was really fun to actually get to do that this time. Yeah, great. So talk to me about Malnoia as a trio. How long have you guys been together? Several years, I think. Yeah, so we've been, I think our first rehearsal was in 2015. Um, and this was came out of an idea that I had of wanting to do something quite different. Uh, my first record was a more like a traditional, I mean, not quite traditional, but in a sense, a traditional jazz record with piano, bass, drums, and tenor saxophone. Um, and I wanted to try something different and not be for, like, 
I wanted to be very conscious of, of why I choose the instrumentation I'm using. And I, th I think sometimes in jazz music, we uh, tend to go for what is most commonly done. Like if you play piano, you might do a solo piano record, of course, but you could oftentimes people do a trio record and that's with bass, drums and piano. Um, or you do a quartet, you might add a horn or something like that. But I think it's it could be way more specific. You can you can be way more creative with your orchestrations. Um, so I had this idea of doing something quite different, and I uh, I knew a great jazz violist, and there's not many, of course, but uh, Benny van Goetzei was, was also a good friend of mine, and I knew him from Amsterdam when I studied there at the conservatory, and we both lived in and still do live in New York City, and. Um, and I had mentioned this to him, him that I had this idea for a new project, and he was super down. And we had another, I had, there's a great tenor saxophonist, Lucas Pino, who's mostly known as a band leader of his nonets. He has been playing uh, Smalls Jazz Club in New York City, has had a residency there with that nonet for many years. Uh, and I knew him, and we've played together. And I, and I, but I also knew that he played bass clarinet, and I love the bass clarinet. I think it's just such a, beautiful warm woody instrument and um, I just thought what if I just choose these two instruments that I love and I put them together with my own and see what comes out I mean it was kind of an experiment you know and I asked Lucas if he wanted to join so we did and I think the first time we rehearsed it was it was quite I was quite amazed that it worked I was like actually this this sounds really cool and and then just the instrumentation is so unique I, I have not never seen it in jazz or classical music and uh, and then like with the improvisations, I think uh, it was really inspiring to write for. You know, it it really opened up a lot of possibilities. Even though it was it's only three people, you know, it's not an orchestra, but you can treat it like an orchestra in, in some ways because the versatility of the instruments. Yes, and I think especially bass clarinet has got that that d the depth, but it it does also go up. It, it sort of meets the viola in the middle, doesn't it? and the yeah. viola goes higher and um i actually i've never heard jazz bass clarinet except marcus miller has done it a few times yeah. um which is interesting in his style um but it is it is just such a beautiful warm sound isn't it yeah. and the viola has got that depth as well yeah no, they're both interesting, and but it is tricky because they're b both quite dark sounding instruments. So you, it has to be balanced with the piano, and like the b piano, of course, is a quite a bright instrument generally, just like a lot of overtones, and uh, I think that works quite well. But you have to be conscious of like who's playing what, where, you know. And but I think when the bass clarinet plays super high, it's it it is it's a beautiful range. I think uh, high bass clarinet range is is very. Uh, like singable, I think it sound can sound very melodic. So we do tend to alternate those roles all the time, uh, very clearly. Like this part, the bass clarinet is up high playing the melody, and this part, the bass clarinet is playing the bass. Like a like yeah. in a more traditional jazz trio where the bass plays most of the time the bass. You know. Yes, and they both have a um, a percussive side as well don't they there's a percussive element that comes out on both of those yeah i think and especially benny like on his viola he does a lot of sort of extended viola techniques um you know like of course pizzicato but also uh 
like this chopping technique and that kind of comes out of he's also the violist in the turtle island quartet which is a you know great jazz string quartet has been around for 30 years and um they're kind of known for having developed this style of 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 jazz chopping technique and they can make it sound super rhythmic and they they can even do things like imitating a drummer with like brushes on a on a snare drum or something by the way uh he's playing the the viola so that's really cool we can do a lot of we do a lot of experimentation with that and see how we can incorporate it and keep it interesting you know because you're only with three people so you really want to be able to to create many different parts again as if it were an orchestra yeah and and i think that comes across the the tracks all sound very different right right now they, is... they all have their own strong characteristic and i think we always we try to do that and be very clear about the concept behind each each piece you know and i think it also comes out of just the wide range of influences that we have and sometimes i struggle a little bit with it because i do want it to be coherent um but i think what saves us is the fact that it's such a unique uh, instrumentation that yeah it already like brings it together in this way because we're just three unusual instruments put together um i think i think that helps a lot definitely so uh was it recorded in new york well um actually it was recorded in amsterdam at the power sound studio it's a great great studio in amsterdam uh by an engineer called paul power um and they have a beautiful piano there and it was just a really wonderful experience and as i said we were on tour in the netherlands so we just we just hopped uh, took a two-day break and and went to the studio brilliant and that was obviously pre-pandemic yeah that was 2019 right uh so how has the lockdown been for you um well it's been hard obviously you know i think all all um all gigs, all concerts stopped and uh, sort of figuring out what to do. You know, we I have been very busy doing just keeping doing my own thing and doing music and doing writing. And I uh, started a weekly YouTube. Uh, I, I did like a piano reharmonization uh, video every week for for over a year. Um, you know, that's been fun. And then just preparing this 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 release, you know, it's, it has been taking a lot of time. We still have to do like mixing and mastering and artwork and and promotion and all things like that. It just ends up taking a lot of time. And as I said before, uh, you know, we have this experience that we call the Hello Future experience, and it's 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 part of the album. It's six days, and it starts it starts on March thirteenth, uh, but it will also be just be part of the album after that. And, um, you know, that, that, that just takes a lot of time. So we, I've been able to focus on that a little bit, but I also, you know, I, we can't wait to be, to get back to it. And, and one thing that has been developed, we've been developing over this year, which is great is, is live streams. And I think that's a technology that really has, has changed the way that we can perform and connect with audiences because um, it's so direct and people you know they can jump in and they can say hi and they they can request things and they you can talk to them you can really talk about every song in a way that that you might well you might do it on a um you know on a live show or something like that but you you don't really get a response from the audience in the same way 
So, so that's, that's been really fun. And we're going to do, we're going to do a bunch more of them. That's good. So tell me a bit more about the launch event for the album. So what we're going to do is, um, we're going to walk the listener through the album, two songs at a time. So every day, two songs. Um, and then they'll be sent a, it'll be sent to their email inbox and they'll get a, a secret link to a, a page that has all this extra content. So of course there's the music, uh, as you know, they can stream it or they can download it, but they can also, uh, there will be videos, performance videos from, for like when we were on tour, uh, when I was just talking about in 2019, we did a concert on a boat in Zwolle. It's a small town in Holland. It's a beautiful venue and we videotaped the whole thing and I never did anything with it. So there'll be those performance videos will be part of it. Uh, there's videos where I talk how I composed the songs. So the different compositional techniques I'm using. Uh, there's of course the stories that go with them. And I have the writers narrate their own stories and talk about them and talk about the way they wrote them. Um, and there will be a live stream. So yeah, there's it's like a whole six day interactive event basically as part of this. And and part of it is is, you know, like we have to do something uh, you know, we live in an age of Spotify and, and music is almost free. And people are most people are just gonna, you know, they're gonna listen to it on Spotify perhaps and and that's it. And and it's it's quite hard for musicians to to for example sell CDs, things like that. And if we're gonna give it away for free anyway on Spotify, I kinda wanted to do it on my terms, meaning I'm gonna, you know, email you my music but I'm going to give you all this extra stuff that I think is really important to it. And then, you know, we can stay in touch and I can hear from you and hear what you think of it and, and have to be more of a conversation than just putting it out there, out there and be done with it. Fantastic. That's amazing. It does sound like a, like a, a real, and as close to an event as we can get at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's the other thing, of course, I can, it's, we can't really do a, a, release show i mean you know things are slowly opening up but it was there was not really a way to, for us to book anything uh, i had a, i had a concert planned in holland as well and that of course didn't happen and and uh, this is this is the next uh, best thing i think yeah sounds brilliant well thank you so much it's been a real pleasure talking to you you're most welcome it was really fun well i hope you enjoyed that conversation and can get involved with yawns album release and I'm going to finish off with an, another track from his album so this is Tubifoot. I hope you're enjoying my podcasts on Harmonious World and please do subscribe leave a review find me on social media let me know if you enjoy listening to the tracks and the albums of the artist that I interview thank you for joining me once more on Harmonious World
Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously, there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.